I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official Gonna Geek Show. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is Chris. Good evening, gentle beings. And I'm pleased to say that he has decided to join this show. He is SP Rupert. Does everyone have their wireless TVs in time for the Super Bowl now? I mean, we talked about it last episode, and Super Bowl is next week. You got your wireless TVs? Yes, the wireless TV is the non-existent TV because I'm not going to watch a Super Bowl. Wow. No, no superb owl what? for you? I, I will watch it, I'm sure. But, but I'll probably be uh, thinking about you guys at the same time. So, uh, pro tip for anyone who is in the United States. I don't know how it is in Canada. But if you're in the United States, you can go to Fox Sports app and you can stream in 4K HDR. Ooh, superb really? owl. That's exciting. That's all a big Fox move. playoff games and the Super Bowl were in 4K HDR. Now it's a 1080p HDR signal that I guess they upscale to 4K, but it's pretty crisp. It looks pretty nice. I've been enjoying watching HDR football. Sounds nice. And also to, you know, close the loop from last time, I found out what the thickness is of a slice, a meat slice versus a shaved meat. <laughs> oh, I've I've been waiting this entire time to find out the answer to this. I'm so glad you did that. In fact, I haven't slept since. Yeah, so shaved is less than a 16th of an inch thick. Okay. A thinly sliced is between a 16th and an eighth inch. Okay. Medium sliced is between an eighth and three sixteenth. And then... A thick sliced is anything that's greater than three sixteenths inch. Okay. How about in, in metric terms? No idea. Okay. All right. The rocket scientists can't do on the fly math. So let's just note that down today on Monday, the 6th of February, 2023. He has confessed it. No. And, and I will just, you know what? Just give me a second. <laughs> I will research it on my foldable phone because we all have foldable phones now, right? Because we were talking about that last month. I mean, we could if we wanted to. Yeah. But yeah, in and, the chat, by the way, we do have inquis. Uh, I can't read it right now. I don't know why I can't read it, but we, we do have uh, somebody who is saying SP's meat corner. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know why it's not showing up in the chat. My apologies. That's Kent. Is that Kent? Okay. That's SP's Kent. meat corner. There you go. And then also, we all have our matter compatible smart switches. It's That's true. all happened in the last month. I've added no matter devices to it, but I do have a matter compatible switch slash hub, slash whatever the right term is. Yes. Piece so, of junk. That's when it just tying work. up some loose ends from last week or month. Can you tie up my loose ends? No, because you have way too many. You're Canadian. I actually have a loose end that I'd also like to, uh, like to address at the top of the show here. And uh, it's about Disney. And if you want to if, if you want to hear a fun little discussion following way, way back to an old episode, uh, you can go to our discord server to the uh, tech and gear channel where we did a follow up. We, we closed some loops on episode 283 of the official Good Geek show. If you want to go check that out there, it's all about Disney and the Disney vault. And hey, you should go listen to that, because honestly, I'm just going to say it is an embarrassingly uh, argumentative episode. You should definitely listen to it. We should be embarrassed about ourselves. That's people like controversy. They do. They do. That's what I was going to say. Is that's why controversy that's why the, equals clicks. The comic book podcast was so successful. We used to argue all the time on there and people love it. Yeah. So you should check it out, everybody. It is actually a fun episode to go back and listen to. To, to a certain extent. Uh, <laughs> there was a point when when that was less true. Hey, Chris, do you want to do a little screen sharing just to talk about controversy? I've heard that that's happened on a lot of netcasts before. Oh, Yes. You had to make sure you use the right term netcast there because, yes, there is a certain uh, channel out there or a group out there that publishes netcast and has had some problems with accidentally sharing things on screen that they shouldn't. But spoiler alert, 
don't use your personal email for anything show related. Certainly, if you're going to screen share, make sure you don't have your personal Gmail or SMS app open on your browser. It's a bad idea. Well, while Chris goes and closes a couple of private tabs, let's go ahead and move on to the news. All right, let's go ahead and start off with some fun discussion that has, I don't think it's going to make anybody mad on the talk, talk of controversy. No. no, I think that this is something that everybody's going to get behind. And it's all about AMC, the movie theater company, uh, charging more money. This is exciting for us. Well, you might save some money too, depending on what's going on. But I don't know about you guys. I've talked about on this show before and other podcasts and netcast, if you prefer that term that I've been on before, that nobody prior, does. Yeah, prior to the pandemic, I really enjoyed going to the movie theaters. I had a movie pass. I had Regal's version of the movie pass. And we went to two to four movies a month generally. Since the pandemic, that's kind of gotten to like two to four movies a year, basically, when we could sneak out to see things. But there are a lot of people that are starting to flock back to the movie theaters right now. And the movie theaters were one part of uh, the entertainment industry that was hit very hard by the pandemic, lockdowns, shutdowns, things like that. So obviously they're trying to find ways to make more money and to make up that gap. And today, as we record this on February 6th, AMC announced their plan to roll out what they're calling their sightline feature at their theaters. This is a new pricing structure that's going to split auditorium seats into three different price tiers in theaters across the country starting on Friday. So we're less than a week away from them doing this. In a statement about the program, Elliot Hamlish, AMC's chief marketing officer, described sightline as an effort to get customers thinking about buying movie tickets in the same way they might at events such as many other entertainment venues. This pricing structure was meant to give people who have particular seats they like a better shot at securing them and noted that some seats might become less expensive. And yes, that is true. They're going to have three tiers of seating. They call it the value sightline, the standard sightline, and the preferred sightline, each of which will come with their own benefits and their own different price points. Value sightline will consist of seats in the front row of the auditorium as well as select ADA seats. They're going to be the cheapest option will be made only available to members of the AMC Stubbs Rewards Program, meaning you have to subscribe to their movie pass analog product, which Does says you mean can you have to stub your toe. You'll probably stub your toe going in. Okay. Uh, standard sightline will be the most common seats in the theaters. These are available to everyone and cost the same price as regular tickets. And finally, if you want the premium cost, the preferred sightline will be the most expensive seats, generally those in the middle of the auditorium. And while the press release didn't specify exactly how much preferred seats will cost, it did note that the premium fee for preferred seats will be waived for AMC Stubbs A-list members. So that is the top tier of their subscription program. If you're subscribed that way, you don't have to pay that. So I went over to, I think it was polygon.com where I found they actually had some background. The original release was there's no prices announced, but polygon.com was allowing people or someone had gone and tried to book movie seats in New York City, I believe on Friday night or Saturday night, and they were able to reflect and see what the new seating chart looked like. So preferred sightline, those added an extra dollar to the standard price. And if you got the value sightline, meaning the things that are in the first couple rows or on the very edges of the theater, that knocked $2 off your ticket price. And if you go to our show notes, you'll see there's a screenshot that I was able to take from Polygon that kind of showed how they broke down the preferred seat, the value seat, and the standard seats. And for those that go to a movie theater a lot, you know generally the best seats are roughly in the middle seats because you're right in the center on the projector and about one-third to halfway up. Those are the expensive seats. Those are where you'll pay the extra dollar unless you choose to subscribe to the top tier of their subscription program. I'm sure this is going to be a great way to bring people back into the theaters. I don't have any heartburn about it whatsoever. None at all. You said that so <laughs> convincingly there, Chris. I, I actually, if I were going to the movies a lot still, maybe I would. But at this point, since we've cut back so much, we go to like two to four a year. Okay. And I'm just as happy to go to the other theater in town, which may not have the reclining heated seats, but will still allow me to pick my seats ahead of time and not charge me a premium to sit in a better seat in the theater. 
Absolutely. This is exactly what's going to happen is is you're, you're going to see them. People start to take their money elsewhere and then they're going to backtrack or drastically overhaul it. Like it, it, this has just half baked idea written all over it. Honestly, it's it's unbelievable that they're going to try this. And I don't I don't see it happening because what's going to happen is is how often have people like these moviegoers. Yes, there are people that plan to. But how often have people just been like, you know what? I'm I'm going to just go see a movie or they opt to to drop in and see a movie because, you know, even people who are planning it out half the time, you see them still the ticket counter and stuff like people are going to end up just being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see a movie. Wait, I can't go here because I I'm not subscribed to their three services. But again, if it's if it's an impulse purchase, though, paying an extra buck for your seat or two bucks for your seat, you're like, well, I'm already here. I wanted to see this movie. They'll probably get a fair number of folks that way, too. It's really only going to be folks that hear about this, that then when they go to pick their seats, go, oh, I know I need to pick these value seats and not get upcharged. They'll have a bunch of people that come in. They don't even know this happened. They'll be like, wait, why is my ticket so much more expensive? That's what's going to happen. I think that it'll be a bigger deal than than um, just oh an extra buck just because just an extra buck. We've seen that on streaming services, which which are a hell of a lot more value than one movie. And fair. and people complain. Chris, I mean, Chris, I'm calling you Chris tonight, SP. So you're Chris number two. Chris number two. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? I, I'm honored to be titled a Chris. I, I really am. Th- thank Actually, you very much. Sir, yeah, fi- you're three because we've got we've got uh, waffles, waffles as well, right? Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're Chris I, I'm, three. I'm honored. I, I really am because you Chris's are the premier podcasters in the entire world. So thank you very much. I, yeah. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to take this moment and this award. And I'm going to cherish <laughs> it. I, I think you have us confused with Tom Merritt. Uh, no, I think the Chris's are bigger than Tom. Yeah. Who's Tom and why does he have merit? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> so I have to caveat by saying I don't get a lot of joy from seeing movies in the movie theater. We've talked about this before. I'm old and crotchety. I don't like when people are, you know, rustling their popcorn or rustling their candy or whatever, or talking or, you know, in general making noise. It distracts me. I don't enjoy it at all. I do enjoy watching the movie on the big screen. I I do, but I don't enjoy other people in the theater with me. I I don't. And I have a perfectly capable theater right there, like five feet to my right. It's right there, perfectly capable, and it's got a decent screen. It's got a decent sound system. I'm good to watch at home. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Jason (laughs) over on Smoking and Drinking in Space would uh, really like you right now. Anyway. Bingo! You guys are getting me so much. For the audio <laughs> listeners, by the way, contrary to what you think that is, it was Chris taking a drink. You could be confused. <laughs> so I want to caveat uh, that. But when I do go to the movie, I like sitting on the aisle. So I'm not in these premium seats which are in the center of the theater, which are, what, $2 premium seats? So I'm not in those. But I'm also not like right up against the screen because, oh my gosh, my neck would hurt. So I am on the aisle about halfway up. I would pay a little bit more. This just discourages me even more from going in the theater. But I'm not their target audience. I'm over 50. I'm AARP age. I've got gray in my beard. And I am not the person that's going to swing by the movie theater on a Friday or Saturday night. That's not me. But this is not saying, hey, you need to go to this movie, SP. That said... Because I'm old, because I have gray in my beard, and because I own stock, which undoubtedly some of my portfolios might include AMC, you know, with the with the, the retirement accounts, I'm actually intrigued because this might actually make them some money. So we'll see. But no, pre- personally, me, I'm not all for this. But business SP is like, you know. Maybe this isn't a bad idea. And it is like other events, right? So if you go to a concert, if you go to a sporting event, my big thing is hockey, right? So if you go to an NHL hockey game, there are obstructed seats. They got big pillars and you have seats right behind those pillars that you have to, you know, 
look around depending on where the play is on the rink and you pay less for that. You still pay a lot of money, but you pay less for them. So yeah, I kind of get where they're going at the same time. I'm not going to no. I'm no bye. You got to make it worth my while though, because the nature of how a movie theater has worked up until now really has been, you pay your ticket, you get your seat. And then they sort sort of shifted to the assigned seats, but it was still, there was no difference between seats when it came price wise. So where is the monetary value for me to be like, I want to pay my extra $2 to sit here because I would argue it's probably not worth it. If I'm there with like six of my friends or whatever, to try and have all of us get those. Whoa, 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 whoa. You have six friends. It was a hypothetical. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to pull a patented, uh, longstanding Steven John drew, uh, flippity flop here. And, um, I am going to to change my mind on this. Actually, I, I think, Chris, you're absolutely right. People will will ignore it. And the revelation that came to me, I it, it was nothing directly that SP said, but it, it made me remember how much I'm willing to go spend on popcorn at the theater. And the the longstanding gouging is something that I ignored when I first knee jerk reacted this. And I think we'll, I, I do still think we will see we will see a level of poo-pooing we'll see some people turn away i think we'll see we'll see a bit of a shift compared to what they're originally rolling out for but i think i i don't think it will be as much as uh of um people people saying no to it as i originally just thought a few minutes ago because gouging is part of the movie experience as it is so i i think that's that's the benefit they have here and we're talking about like an extra dollar or two on something that's already 16 dollars so, well, I was just going to bring that up. So is this pricing tier going to be on like discount days, like Tuesday at know. noon? That's to be determined, I assume. That what they had showed just in what Polygon was able to get from a sample viewing was like a Friday or a Saturday night in New York City, which is not the cheapest of tickets generally, just because movies are more expensive there than, say, if you were watching it in West Virginia, where I live. A non-matinee ticket, I think, is like 14 bucks or 12 bucks or something like that. Wait, so what you're saying is it could be like, okay, so we're going to charge you a dollar surcharge in Nowheresville, USA. But hey, in New York, it's a $55 per minute surcharge. Well, I mean, that'll be the interesting thing to see is whether this surcharge is a flat thing across all of their different markets or whether they start to shift into being like, okay. Well, this is a smaller market. They don't have as many features when it comes to the movie theater seats. Because if you go on AMC's site, they have like three different kinds of seats that they have in their theaters. And like my theater here has like the baseline seats. And I'm sure some of those theaters in New York have the super fancy seats. Might be like the 4DX ones with massagers and crap like that built into it. Where then you might be able to say, hey, because this is a more expensive seat, the upcharge is a bit more. I honestly don't know what they're going to do here. And Honestly, I think they may not know either. This could be something we just have to wait and see how it shakes out. For, I mean, for example, Regal has their MoviePass knockoff, and it was different prices depending on the theaters you were using. They had like two different or three different tiers worth of theaters, and you could look up and see how your local theater qualified. So like I had a different price for my year-long subscription than someone would in New York City, for instance, because their theaters are bigger, have nicer amenities, things like that. So their yearly subscription cost more money and because it's new york everything costs more money for example all right well i look forward to seeing what your experience is and guess what until it comes to one of the canadian theaters i don't have to worry about it because as far as i know there is no amc in canada so there you go i haven't been to a movie theater since black panther oh i haven't been i don't know that that might have been the last time i went to actually come to think of it we're going to see Ant-Man in the Wasp Quantumania in the theater for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're not going to do it by the first week. Actually, we're going to give everybody that's on the podcast on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're going to give them a couple of weeks to go see it. So I'm not planning on seeing it in a packed theater anyway, but I am going to see that just because we have no alternative. Right. And to be fair, the only movies I've really gone to go and see in the theater have been the Marvel movies, I think, honestly, throughout the pandemic. And through as it's starting to wrap up, supposedly things like that, because those are the ones I didn't want to sit on the sidelines for 90 days to see what happens. So I would kind of just 
watched the local theater website to see what the seating charts looked like before showtime. I went, ooh, this is pretty empty. Oh, I'm going to go catch this theater. When you say Black Panther, you meant the last one was Black Panther 2. No, the last one that I think yeah. I saw was Black Panther 1 in the theater. Oh, my. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to something that SP is passionate about. It's actually two things he's passionate about together. People being wet and starships. He loves right. water slides. Yeah, wild and wet. That's what we're talking about. So I actually went back and listened to our last episode because I wasn't quite sure where in the timeline we were of the Starship development when we recorded last time. When we recorded last time, they had a singular engine firing from Starship and they were getting ramped up to do what is basically a wet dress rehearsal. That's what it's called. When you completely fill a rocket with all of the fuel, and you do what you normally would do in a countdown all the way up until somebody flips the switch to start lighting the engines. You don't do that, but you do everything else up until that time. And basically, you treat it as an abort and you make sure that everything runs smoothly. Well, on January 23rd, 2023, SpaceX did exactly that. They performed a wet dress rehearsal with Starship, including Booster 7 and Ship 24. They filled the entire thing, all four tanks, and actually, if you include the header tanks, there's even more than that, but all four main tanks full of rocket fuel. The biggest rocket this planet has seen, the most rocket fuel that's been in a rocket, happened there. And it could have been an epic explosion. And I got to hand it to Starship and SpaceX, there was no explosion. Everybody was expecting it. It didn't happen. So I wouldn't say everybody, but, you know, I, I might have wished that it happened just from the standpoint, not because I wish evil to anything, but it would have been a big, spectacular boom. There was a lot of coverage of it at the time. So that successfully happened. It was something that Starship had to pass to get to the next step as we go for the orbital flight test, which is upcoming in the next few weeks. I doubt it'll happen before our next podcast, but it is coming in the next couple of months, provided everything goes okay. So SpaceX had a couple of tweets the day after on the 24th, and it stated Starship completed its full, its first full flight-like wet dress rehearsal at Starbase today. This was the first time an integrated ship and booster will were fully loaded with more than 10 million pounds of propellant. Quote, today's test will help verify a full launch countdown sequence, as well as the performance of Starship and the orbital pad for flight-like operations, unquote. There was two separate tweets. So SpaceX is all for it. What's the problem with SpaceX? It's not really a problem, but what's the difference with SpaceX and NASA is that they don't have to divulge everything. It's not like NASA where you get press conferences and you get to ask questions and stuff like that. SpaceX is actually treating this openly but quietly. So they're open in that they know there's a lot of coverage. There's no they know there's a lot of expertise and they know that Elon's going to tweet about this every so often. But they don't have full-blown press conferences. They don't give all the information out to the press, out to the public. So it's really by the people like us literally like us, just fans and enthusiasts that are covering this and that are making assessments along the way. And I have to hand it to every single one of them. They are doing a phenomenal job at doing analysis and just trying to figure out what SpaceX is doing. Now, this is important trying to figure out when the rocket launch is going to be, because even though Elon Musk tweets about it, He's not always correct. He's always wanting it to happen a lot faster than it actually is. And there's actually a lot of documented tweets that he's had out there and statements of wanting things to happen before they're actually capable of happening. And this next part is part of that. If you take a look at what happened with Artemis and SLS when it launched, Artemis 1 when it launched, and after it launched, we took a look at the mobile launch platform. It was utterly and totally destroyed. And that was four RS-25 engines. They were the same engines that were on the space shuttle, but there were four of them versus two. And then they were the same solid rocket boosters that were on the space shuttle. 
yet the tower was just demolished. You know, the elevators were smashed in. It was burnt to a crisp and everything like that. Now, Starship wants to do continual operations with their starships and their launch towers. They want to catch it. They want to refuel it. They want to service it on the pad and they want to relaunch it. That's what they want to do. And in order to do that, they have to not destroy the launch pad, what they call the orbital launch mount. There's one in Boca Chica that actually has Starship on it right now, and they've constructed one at Kennedy Space Center. There's parts for a third one. We don't know where that's going to go yet. I postulate it's going to go to Kennedy Space Center. It might go to one of the oil rig platforms, or if they actually get approval, they can put one at Boca Chica. But in order to protect this, what's happened every time that they've had a static fire is that they've had to reconstruct the concrete and the base of the orbital launch mount because it's so much thrust. They don't have a thrust vector diverter there. They don't have any water deluge system, and it's got the most thrust out there ever. I think they were just hoping that a, a flat platform a certain distance away from the 33 Raptor engines was going to be okay. That's a concern I have, and I'll just go ahead and say it's not. You can't launch that without any sort of mitigation. So what SpaceX has done is they actually tested a water deluge system at Kennedy Space Center on pad 39A a few years ago, like the 2018-2019 timeframe. What they did is they took that system and they disassembled it from pad 39A and they parked it in one of their storage areas. Well, in the last three weeks, what they did is they took that, they loaded it onto a barge and they floated it over to Boca Chica. Last weekend, it arrived. They immediately unloaded it and started installing it. It's been there for less than two days. They already have the high-pressure tanks mounted. They probably have a lot of the actual hoses and pipes in place right now. Uh, we're looking for a water tower right now to, to uh, kind of fuel the water pressure. But in any case, I think the next step is to take a static fire of the 33 rocket engines. And in order to do that and maintain the orbital launch mount, they're going to have to have this water deluge system in place. Could it happen tonight? Sure. I, 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 it's hard to tell when they're going to finish. As I said before, SpaceX has not stated what their plan is and how many days this is going to take. I can tell you they have road closures in place for the rest of this week. They canceled today's earlier today, but they have Tuesdays through Fridays already scheduled and maintained. So I think they're of the mindset that they can get this water deluge system reinstalled and reoperational very quickly. Now, Elon has tweeted that he expects the launch to be in March, which means that they have to go through the static fire test. They got to get this water deluge system running and they have to get certification from the FAA to run. So he's thinking that'll be March. But if I was him, I'd want it to be earlier, but I think he's managing expectations now, which means it might be longer than March. It might be May or something like that. But I think we're looking at weeks or months instead of years at this point. I know it's been a long time that everybody said, hey, this is going to launch soon, but we're at the end game now. We, we have a very few things that have to happen between now and launch since the wet dress rehearsal was successful. So the largest rocket ever to launch from the Earth successfully will probably do so in the next couple of months. This is super exciting, and I cannot believe that you're going to be on it. <laughs> I'm going to hide away. I'm just going <laughs> to sneak away. I'm going to take the elevator up to the top, and I'm going to dive into Ship 24. I'm going to have to take my swimming suit with me, though, because when it lands, it's going to land in the ocean. So I just you know. wear a wetsuit. Yeah, why not? A swimsuit and a wetsuit over that, and, a, and then a helmet, right? A space well, helmet. Why don't you just wear the, uh, the, the wet dress from the, the wet dress? The wet dress from the wet dress rehearsal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. reuse it. Yeah. yeah. You, you know that women don't get to reuse dresses. So why not? I'm a guy. I'll reuse it. There's lots of people that reuse dresses. Like who? Me. 
That's one. <laughs> name name one more. <laughs> you. Only if it's the wet dress. <laughs> uh, well, I look forward though to seeing how this all goes, and I I I hope that it's successful. Um, it's been so so hyped up. I'll be obviously. I was also hoping for for kaboom recently, but um, you know, once we get past that point, I I'm hoping for success because this is this has been a, a long time coming, and uh, I just look forward to that antiquated equipment being bested by some modern space tech are you talking about like nasa versus spacex i absolutely am i absolutely am yeah yeah and once again you cannot land artemis astronauts and cosmonauts whatever on the moon without starship starship is integral into the process it's the actual landing ship so yes they will travel to the moon on orion but once they get there, they will land on Starship. So they need this to work to make it back to the moon. All right. Well, let's go on to our next news point here, which is about the return of the pod. Did you know this? That the podcasting altogether stopped. It ceased to exist. The podcasting went away and it was no more. And now it's coming back. Yeah, it's netcasting, duh. <laughs> when you said that they were coming back with the pod, I thought you were talking about Cocoon. Oh, I did. No, I'm talking actually about the uh, the late 90s racing game called Pod. Not not the Star Wars one, but the, the Pod racing game. Look it up. It exists. Uh, yes. It, yeah, it even got re-released recently on the Switch. It might have. It might have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm talking about the HomePod, because those of you who have been following smart speakers for a long time might remember the original Apple HomePod when it came out. It, it launched with a lot of praise and uh, an interesting quirk or two. Specifically, you couldn't put it on a wood furniture or else it would be stained. Uh, that, that was the HomePod number one. But it was it was still overall a success because it was Apple's version of a smart speaker of a full-fledged smart speaker they had basically the home pod and then they came out with the home pod mini shortly after which were not meant to do any any sound just be there as you would use like an echo dot with a, a small device that has smart assistance in it well it was surprising when in 2021 apple did discontinue the original home pod because this was the really the only main speaker that they had and this left just the the HomePod minis once they discontinued it. Skip ahead a couple of years and they have finally released the HomePod 2. It's back. And from initial reports, it is that um, it's pretty similar to the original HomePod, but with primarily audio improvements. The early reviews are pretty consistent in saying that the sound does sound better than the original HomePod. And they've just done some changes with some of the hardware. But this is the part that I wanted to talk about is that apparently between the woofers and the tweeters, there are a bunch of sensors that they've put in there to to help basically measure the performance of the HomePod audio in real time in relation to its positioning. And while the music is playing, the volume is going to apparently, quote, uh, even its own, sorry, quote, current mechanical and electrical conditions, end quote. So basically, it's going to adjust using these sensors on the fly to help improve the audio. And the data that's collected by these mics and sensors are going to be be analyzed using a new S7 chip is what it's called. And that is basically the guts of what's going to be adjusting and improving the HomePod 2 as music is playing. Now, I thought that this was was interesting on the heel specifically of the recent discussion of Amazon basically admitting that that ALEXA has been quite the failure of a project because the amount of money that sunk into it versus the return on investment has not been not been that great. So I find it interesting that Apple's getting back in on this because I remember when Apple discontinued the HomePod we speculated all sorts of things like maybe Apple was ahead of the curve here as far as the trend that it could go. Maybe they didn't find it financially viable. We had a bunch of speculation, never real any answer. I think the fact that there's a HomePod 2 is a bit of an answer that there is a market for it. I think maybe this is an indication that Apple is realizing that they've 
They've done things a little better than Amazon, i.e. they're very, very limited on what they offer these home assistants as opposed to the Amazon spread, which is basically throwing a bunch of things out there that are kind of confusing on what the differences are with very similar names that, that make it even more confusing on what they are. Maybe this is something that Apple has actually gotten ahead of the game here by limiting what it is. Of course, I don't want to give Apple too much credit because let's be honest here, their phone line product follows that exact problem with too many weird models that are confusing with the name. But, you know, here they might be ahead of the game. One of the things that those phones with confusing names has to Apple will say their advantage is they're very, they used to be at least very strict on what happens in the Apple store, what, you know, gets into the Apple store. So that they've controlled that environment, they've controlled the OS to the point where it's supposed to be more safer, more secure, that sort of thing which would put it in line with some of what you were saying with the HomePod being a more stable environment, basically. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing when it comes to the home assistance, but it might translate better for a little while. I think it'll swing back the other way. I think it depends on what your use case is as to whether this is a big deal or not. Like Apple is got a big deal built up around Apple Music and including the lossless audio version of it or the high quality audio version of it, things like that, which I presume would play nicely with the with the home pod, the large versions, not the mini versions. So if your goal is to have high fidelity, high quality music throughout your house, then this might be the way to go. If your goal is to have a, a digital assistant, I have never really had the same level of success with Apple's digital assistant when compared to Google Assistant or Amazon Voice Services. I generally found them to be better at listening to what I tell them to say and better integration with other devices, like, say, for instance, my Harmony Hub and things like that. There's a plugin for both Amazon and Google. It works. I can tell it, give it a command to do things. I don't know if that exists on the Apple side of the house. And I will fully admit that I'm a bit more ignorant when it comes to the HomePod side of things because the price point of HomePod one was enough for me to go. I wouldn't even, I wasn't even considering it just to play with and learn about it. And HomePod mini, I just didn't need. I have enough other things in the house. So I'm not as well versed in what HomePod will do for me. My the biggest thing, just looking at the specs is it's supposed to be really good for music and it's supposed to be having the adaptive audio and things like that, which is a feature I really like on my Google home Max, I think is what that one is, which is the one they discontinued. It was the super large speaker, though, that had, for lack of a better term, smart AI in it to better update to your room and conditions to make music sound good. And it sounds really nice. And there's a reason why the secondary market for it's so large. So I guess my thought here is it sounds cool from a music listening perspective, from a digital assistant and a smart home perspective. Yeah, I don't know. And the one thing I did scratch my head a little bit, I was looking at a, uh, a spec breakdown on nine to five Mac uh, HomePod one came was 802.11 AC compliant. So more throughput, especially when you're talking about high quality music and things like that. HomePod two is 802.11 N, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that that that's odd. HomePod mini was also 802.11 N, I guess, but that seemed like an odd step back to no longer do 802.11 AC, but I guess the thought here is, is you don't need that max throughput like you would see with 802.11ac. Like, when are you when are you going to pull 500 megabits per second worth of data over your digital speaker or your smart home speaker? I'm sure we could find a reason. Well, I mean, there's ways with it. I mean, because one of the cool things with the HomePods was you could pair one or two with an Apple TV to basically have Dolby Atmos sound. That's kind of a cool feature. When they're what, like 300 bucks a pop, you're better off just buying a Sonos kit, is what a lot of people would say. A lot by of the people time you have. Buy, by the time you buy two Apple TVs, you've got a whole Sonos kit. I don't drink a lot speakers. of pop. That's fair too. So I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think honestly, the most uh, user friendly thing that Apple did on this, look at the spec breakdown, is it's just a standard figure eight power cord. So if the power cord phraser gets damaged, you just pop another one on nice. there versus proprietary 
that surprised me in a pleasant way. And I'm not trying to take a shot. It's more just like, oh yeah, Apple does like to do their own proprietary connectors and they didn't. I know we've briefly mentioned it and, and, and I would like to preface something with all of Chris's comments right now is that since we took the hiatus, uh, he has very much been into the Apple ecosystem with a couple of different devices, including his laptop. So he's not coming from an Apple hater perspective or anything. I just want to mention that because I think that what you bring up is all very valid. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, when I was wanting to have better audio off of my MacBook Air, when I had it docked down here, for lack of a better term, I had looked at what it would cost to get two HomePod minis and to connect via the I think guess it's via AirPlay or whatnot. And I went, nah, man, that's like 89 bucks a mini to be able to do it. I can just buy a cheap pair of USB-C speakers for 30 bucks and call it a day. And I really just didn't have the use case for it. This is all a matter of ecosystem. Had I been bought heavy into Apple throughout all time, maybe I'd be like, oh my God, HomePod's the way to go. It's going to play nice with my cell phone, my laptop, my tablet. Everything's just going to work and, and do what I expect it to, which is, what Apple's known for. That being said, I've never really had a hard time connecting via Bluetooth to any of my Amazon devices or Bluetooth slash casting to any of my Google devices. That just tends to work pretty well too. I need to find the use case for this casting that y'all talking about because I never cast whatsoever. I just bring it up on the device that the screen is attached to. I don't cast. I, I don't get the casting i know how to do it i realize that you can do it but why so our use case in our house is you're browsing something on your phone and then you want to throw it on the tv that's that's generally yeah. our use case so it's like you know we're getting google photos hey we want to take a look at these with some families so then we cast them onto the screen or you know um I've got uh, I've got a certain individual who I'll leave nameless uh, used to really prefer just to go on the phone and um, look it up on the phone and uh, navigate like Netflix through the phone instead of actually going through the menu and whatnot. And just from there, boop, off you go or been watching. This is the primary use case, watching it on the phone and then realizing, hey, kids are in bed. Now I can now yep. I can go ahead and throw it on there and rather than navigate, just boop, throw it on over. Um, usually that's the type of use that I have most of the time though. Like if I'm going to just sit down and watch Netflix, I, I just go right through the fire TV or whatever. Same here. So the thing I've come to learn when it comes to casting is if you listen to music over a Google assistant device, effectively, if you use voice commands, be like, Hey, play my playlist through YouTube music or whatever, it's effectively casting to whatever speaker or speaker group you tell it to do that to. So for instance, to start my work day, I say, Hey, G word. Stream Sirius XM Turbo on my office speakers, which goes to my two stereo paired Nest speakers that are behind me. Now, this is me just screwing around to figure out how something worked. I then, when I need a cup of coffee, say, hey, G word, move this to coffee because I created a speaker group called Coffee and it plays it on those two speakers, the speaker in my stairwell and then the speaker in my kitchen next to my coffee pot so that the music goes with me or the podcast I'm listening to starts casting to those multiple speakers. And then as I come back down the stairs, I say, hey, G word, move this to the office speakers. And it stops playing on those and just goes back to my office speakers. So that's kind of how I use casting is by using speaker groups to fling music across the house when I'm going somewhere. I want to ask you something, SP, though. Do you use AirPlay? On Apple, do you use AirPlay? To do anything? No, probably not. Anything. Probably. So... I, I guess your your use the reason I asked this is because I could see your wheel spinning trying to think about it. If you're not using AirPlay, then yeah, you're probably not a casting person either because that's sort of my experience is like when we had when my wife had had an Apple phone, um, she all the time would do AirPlay stuff from her phone, and then she got a Pixel phone, and then she started casting a lot. So it was kind of like. That was her. That was her her primary yeah. way of using it. And so yeah, I, I think that's... I get the distinction. I, I understand that AirPlay is like casting. So I, I get it. But I just I don't use it that way, I guess. And it, I guess it's just my preference or I'm old and I just I'm like, I want to start it on the machine that's over there or whatever. That's, that's just me. And and I totally get it because, like I said, mo most time I sit down and I use the remote, but I do sometimes go and just 
throw something from my phone. So I, I get where you're coming from. And also, uh, my favorite casting thing to do is when I uh, when I like to cast to the neighborhood. Like I got the big windows in the living room. My TV's up there. I sometimes like to open them up late at night so you can clearly see in my living room. And then I cast to my screen those pictures that you told me I couldn't share with anybody. The neighbors can uh, see but, them. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad your neighbors are interested in that sort of debauchery. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the next news point so you can get that mental image out of your head. Uh, what do we got going on with The Last of Us, Chris? So this is a excuse me, a super short news point, but uh, we mentioned at the top of the show that, hey, Super Bowl is this Sunday. What's normally on on Sunday nights? Well, right now it's been The Last of Us on HBO, which has been pretty much a ratings hit when it comes to new programs and existing programs on HBO. So a lot of folks were wondering, well, gee, is HBO going to try and go head to head with the Super Bowl this week? Yeah, they're not. If you're in the United States, you don't have to watch The Last of Us Sunday night during the Super Bowl. They're going to put it out early on Friday, February 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific for HBO Max or HBO Go or HBO streaming subscribers. So you'll be able to watch it two days ahead of time so that the Super Bowl doesn't get in the way of The Last of Us. And personally, I kind of like seeing that happen. It's just a cool thing for me, though, because I'll be I'll be blunt here. I don't watch The Last of Us on Sunday night. We generally watch it Monday while we eat dinner. So it doesn't really change my use case for watching the show. But I think it's pretty cool that HBO is kind of realizing we've got a hit on our hands here. People are going to watch this. And I don't know if we necessarily want to take the Super Bowl ratings dive here. So let's put it out early and see what happens. It's an interesting experiment. I don't know if it matters, but I guess it does since they switched it. But I, I honestly, I don't think it matters unless they're going for the water cooler moment, which they're not going to get since it's what, Friday night? Is that Friday right? Night. Friday night. So they're not going to get the water cooler moment until Monday anyway. So I'm just scratching my head over, really, you're you're going to do this on a streaming platform? I'm glad they're going early, but I don't think it matters. I... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about current trends um, to know what is my personal experience, you know, growing older and, and the way I perceive things versus the actual truth as far as, you know, popularity now compared to how it used to be. I, I tend to, to feel like I'm 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 with you on this, SP. Like, I, I was just thinking the other day, how long until they decide that they could, they want to move the Super Bowl to Saturday? because they feel like they could they could capitalize better on it because right. i i think the super, the con, my my perception is the idea of a super bowl party has largely faded from where it used to be what they should do is push it out another week so that if you're in the united states it's the same weekend as president's day weekend so that at least most employees have monday off no they're not going to do that because it conflicts with valentine's day uh, i don't know man they're greedy enough they want so, another round of the playoffs so i they have... put another round of playoffs in I, I understand, but I have a, a, an equal thing that I can throw out there. So the opener of fishing in Minnesota is a big event. It has been my entire life, and it's the season opens in May. Well, what's another big thing that happens in May? Mother's Day. So they've deconflicted the opener of fishing with Mother's Day. They're never the same weekend, and the reason is... You can't have the two together because you're gonna get people mad. Maybe NFL mostly doesn't care about that. Moms are <laughs> mad at their kids and their husbands. Mother's Day, the mother of all male days. There's a Seinfeld reference. I have to look up the exact wording. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'd have to look at the calendar. I don't know that it always it always conflicts though with with it because since they added the extra week. Valentine's Valentine's is is a, a static day on a calendar as opposed yeah, to but, Mother's Day, which is not. And that's where I think it could become less of an issue. You're going to get closer to it and it's going to overlap more often than not. They added the extra week in the regular season. They don't start the regular season any earlier. It's always what the week after Labor Day. So they added the extra week the 17 games versus 16 games of regular season. And then they have the same amount of playoffs. So that already has pushed the Super Bowl back one week 
you push it back another week and you're going to conflict with that on some years. Yeah, I don't think the NFL cares. Uh, Valentine's Day. Hmm, I don't know. I think yeah. I wouldn't want to butt up with it, that. Here's there, here's why I'm not sure. Okay, one last thought point on here is that if they are making changes because of, you know, a, a general idea that the desire for Super Bowl is down to where it once was, that that might mean that they care less about conflicting with Valentine's if they accept that. It, if they accept that and they go, hey, hey, you know what? Those people that love the NFL, they're not going to care. They're just going to say, sorry, hon. Just, I don't know, because I, I I agree. I think there there would be a whole consideration. I'm not outright dismissing it, but two points. Yeah. NFL competes with Christmas and Thanksgiving already. That's fair. That's a very <laughs> fair point. But, the, they but they're care. not champ. But they're not championship games. Yeah. Mm. And look how well they do on those already. And they're not championship games. NFL yeah. doesn't care because they know people will keep watching. Yeah, I think, well. I'll keep my mouth shut from here on out <laughs> on the NFL. I have very, very strong opinions. So I've I've tamed them down, but uh, I can't say anymore. So watch The Last of Us. Wait and watch it afterwards. Uh, record it and watch it. Watch it uh, two days later. So, Stephen, do you Just watch, watch Last good. of Us? No, I don't. I don't even know what it is, to be honest. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I was thinking about dabbling into it. But Chris, you know, my likes, my dislikes. Is this going to be something like uh, Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, which I'm not going to like eventually because it's got all sorts of negative connotations to it? I mean, it's a zombie horror show, so. I don't know where they're going to go with it, but Pedro Pascal is pretty great in it so far. And last week's episode was fantastic. That one. okay, I know what it is, but I don't know. I, I only know about it because of the talk. Pedro Pascal guiding a young child through the wilderness. And yet another television show. I was going to say, He's got it a sounds familiar. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the reference why I knew what it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and side note, if you get a chance, uh, Pedro Pascal hosted SNL this last weekend. I don't watch SNL very often, but they shared at least one of the things, which was making a Mario movie in the same vein as The Last of Us. And it was brilliant with Pedro Pascal as Mario. <laughs> I saw that. That was okay. pretty fun. Uh, all right, well, let's go on to our last discussion point of the night, which I think is SP telling us a little bit about an update that he's had um, with successfully protecting himself. <laughs> protecting my phone. So I got an iPhone 14 Pro Max. It's a one terabyte. It's a $1,600 phone. I am very, very protective of this because it's so expensive and because I want it to last. Eventually, hopefully, this will be my dad's phone and if uh, he's around in a couple of years, this will be uh, gifted to him. The problem with this phone, as you might have heard, is the lenses stick out further than any of the other lenses have on previous iPhones. Now, I am pretty... Sorry, I'm just going to interrupt you here. So what you're saying is that your device protrudes too large that you have to protect it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's been modified to the point where it is so immense where it needs additional protection. Yeah, okay. I was just double checking that we, we were framing that right. Yeah, yes, you got it. So I've been pretty religious about protecting it with OtterBox commuter cases. Not the Defender. The Defender is like the military grade one or whatever. The commuter, it's not the symmetry one either. The symmetry one is like the really light one. This is the commuter case. It's a happy go-between. And there is a raised ridge around the lenses, but it's not quite there to protect the lenses the way they are. Now, the lenses are made out of sapphire. They're supposed to be very robust, but it's a phone. It's going to end up getting dropped, kicked around, falling on concrete, maybe impacting a rock or something like that. So my girls kicked me onto this whole thing of getting a lens protector, which I had never used before, right? I've gotten screen protectors before. I've got the phone case, but I've never used a lens protector before. Apparently they've been out for a couple of years. So I'm like, okay, I'll get one. And what I ended up getting was a case mate off of Amazon. It arrived when the phone came and I immediately put it on. Well, I've broken not one, not two, but as of this past week, 
three of them. Now, I contacted Casemaker after the first one broke, and it is under warranty. So they sent me out a new one, but I had to pay for the shipping. And the case on Amazon is like $13. The shipping was like $6.99. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it, but it's just whatever. I'll just buy a new one. So I did, and I had two of them. So off the original break, I had the replacement and an extra one. Well, the replacement broke. And then just this past week, the, the other two, I have no idea what caused the first two to break, to be honest with you, because I never did anything with the phone. I probably jostled it the wrong way, probably dropped it and just didn't think to check it or something like that. Well, this third time I was in the process of taking our two-year-old golden retriever out for a walk and I was out in the driveway and I put the phone on top of the garbage can and he was just pulling me. So I grabbed the phone and he pulled me and I kind of, kind of threw the phone actually. And it ended up sliding on the concrete. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I took a look at it and I posted it. I think I posted it on the discord server and I know I posted it on my Mastodon account and the lens protector just shattered with this casemate. So I don't know if it was the casemate itself that was bad or if I really been treating this phone bad. I went with a brand called, and I don't know how to pronounce it, Ailun, A-I-L-U-N. It's got a three pack of screen protectors and the actual lens protectors on them. So I installed that lens protector on. I have two left. The girls bought this and they haven't had an issue with their phones. Maybe they treat it better than I do. Maybe the lens protector is better. But I just want to say that this lens, these lenses that are protruding out further than ever before on the iPhone are getting the, the lens protector case, which should be shielded by this case, this OtterBox case, is getting demolished by impacts and by uh, just being out there. And if you feel this, and I know you guys can't, but if you feel the surface of it, it is protrude, the, the lens protector is protruding out farther than the ridge on the OtterBox commuter case. So uh, if you have an iPhone 14, I would highly recommend that you get a lens protector. Unfortunately, I can't recommend any specific lens protector because I don't know if the Casemate ones really are the best and I had just treated it badly or if it was extenuating circumstances or whatever. But I can tell you through those breakage, the lenses are still pristine. So, you know, you take off the remnants, you clean it, uh, you use 80 uh, 90% alcohol wipes, you uh, wipe it off with a, a pad, then you use a sticky to get any uh, other stuff off. And I've actually cleaned it multiple times, especially after the last breakage, because there was a lot of shrapnel around there. And uh, I installed the new one and it has protected it. Now, if it gets dropped from five stories, is it going to protect it? Probably not. But I've at least protected it from the way I've handled it. And I am grateful for that. But to know that you have to get a lens protector on a smartphone. Am I just old and just didn't see it? Has this been around for a while? I don't know, but it's working for me. So I would recommend that you do the same if you have one of these. Yeah, I feel the pain. Here's my Google 6 Pic, uh, Pic Pro, bleh, Pixel 6 Pro, which has the camera bar. However, I, we were talking about this before as I cough into the microphone and I'm not going to edit it out. Uh, the, the thing that is smart about the Pixel 6, the way they've done it, is it's not so excessive that the, you can't create a case that is, is, isn't that much True. larger to get in the way. And, you know... I agree with that, the case on. Yeah. I don't have much of a problem with it. Exactly. It's less of a problem um, because it's not as deep as on the on the um, iPhone 14 Pro Max, right? Like, like it, that's quite large when you look at it on mm -hmm. screen here. SP is holding it up for the audio listener. Now, one of the things that um, advocates for not using screen protectors ha have often pointed out to me that is, is that a screen protector will break a lot quicker than your actual screen will. will. And and I, I actually... By design. I Yeah, it was by design, and I, I agree with that. Um, and the thing that, that, though, is different for a camera to me is that 
you might get a little surface scratch, a little surface abrasions on your on your screen by not using a screen protector, and it might hold up to cracks. But there's a little, just a little bit of surface, whatever. It doesn't affect day to day operation. You get a little surface stuff on your camera and your camera lens, and now you're that's going to affect your pictures. Now I know all the people out there who are anti screen protectors are going to sit there and go, "Well, don't you realize that you know a screen protector is possibly impacting the image quality?" Yes, but it, it's a lot better to have a, maybe a slight degradation of image quality versus permanent scratches or surface abrasions on the lens. So yeah, I, I had, I think it was my Pixel 4a that I had ordered a screen protect or, or yeah, I'd ordered a screen protector and it came actually with a, with a lens protection. But the case that I had at the time was so large, I didn't even care. I didn't put it on. I think I've actually still got it in, in the desk behind me here. I, I think I still have it around, but yeah, it's weird that it sticks out so far. And I hope that these keep protecting it for you because that would really suck if the actual lens got damaged. So the first time it broke was right before the holidays or actually during the holidays. And we were taking some family pictures and there was one particular one picture in particular that my daughter was with her boyfriend and it was like the perfect picture, but we noticed that there was some sort of like almost a lens flare on it. It wasn't in any other picture, but it was in that one picture. I was like, that's odd. That shouldn't have been there. And it wasn't until after I saw that picture, like a day later, so it was too late to retake the picture or anything, I noticed that the lens protector was cracked. And so I think that the lens protector cracked attributed to that lens flare or that funky color or whatever. But none of the other pictures were uh, affected. And I think some of that goes to the fact that it is like really close to the focal uh, point. So if it's looking far away, it might be able to look past it, especially on these arrayed lenses when you actually have multiple lenses and it's doing some digital uh, analysis and, and stitching together of the images, which we all know that Apple does it good, but there are other phones and operating systems that do it better, like the Pixel, for instance. And I think that uh, the fact that you're protecting it is probably better, like you said, than it being scratched. Because even on like sailing YouTube channels that get like water on the lenses or heck, you're watching a race or a football game and it's like snowing and, and the snow gets on the lens and it's not wiped off or whatever. It's annoying to see that. But if it's on every single picture, and it's not like you can take the lens and take it off and then replace it. It's not like a, a, a actual, you know, a DL, DSLR camera where you can just take, take the lens in and out. It's like you're scratching the mirror in there and there's nothing you can do about it unless you replace the entire mirror assembly, right? So yeah, I'm, I'm an advocate even in those cases of having a lens protector. It's affected one picture. It's kind of minor. Uh, it, it wasn't the perfect Instagram picture for my daughter, but it was still a good enough picture for what it was. So yeah, uh, just a, a use case, a thing that happened. And I have always, after that, I always check if I'm taking in an important picture, I'll look at the lens protector, make sure it's wiped off, make sure there's no smudges or anything, and then make sure there's no cracks. And it hasn't yet, so. You know, the best part about that, though, is like, if you, you know, ever meet me face to face, that's basically the only area that was exposed on your phone. So now you know that you can just remove the screen protector. You can throw out the case. You can throw out the lens protector. And none of my germs will be anywhere on that phone anymore. So it's an extra bonus. If I ever meet you in person and take a picture, I might actually pre-crack the lens. That's probably the better idea. In fact, you yeah. might want to just throw out your phone altogether. So it's not even taking an option. The photo, taking the photo will break the lenses. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, everybody, for coming on by the Gunna Geek Show. We had a lot of fun today. If uh, you're checking out the show and and you're like, hey, I hadn't heard from you guys for a while. Well, yes, we've switched to a monthly format, and uh, that's what we do now. We, we Once a month, and, and usually it should be the first Monday of every month that we record live at geeks.live. I say usually because, you know, if there's holidays or things like that, we might change our mind, but 
that's generally the guideline that I think we're going to be following from now on is the first Monday, but but your mileage may vary. <laughs> Our mileage may vary, I suppose. Chris Farrell, you do another podcast, don't you? Yes, it's called Stephen Cast, where we talk about the life and times of one Stephen John Drew, and we make predictions as to what he's going to do. You do another one beside that, though, don't you? It's called JS Cast, where we talk about the French Canadian sensation and we read all the hate mail that comes in and we imagine how JS would respond to it. So check out those two podcasts, which are not on the Good and Geek Network, but hopefully soon. Uh, SP, you do a podcast, don't you? I do. I do a couple. The one is Better Podcasting, which I do with you. And we're doing Better Podcasting live chats now. I'm sure you'll talk about that. Singular. Singular. There's no ass Just live chat. Live chat. Okay. Live chat. Okay. And then we have Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is all about the Marvel Studios universe, everything that's on the screen for Marvel Studios. Got a couple of big things coming up. Got a main movie coming up, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We also have Secret Invasion coming up, a special series on Disney+, and a whole bunch more stuff. So we're really looking forward to that. In the meantime, we are ending, by the time this comes out, ending our coverage of X-Men, the animated series from 1992 to 1997. We're ending that in advance of the X-Men 97 series, which should be coming out later this year or early next year, or so I'm told. When does uh, Loki season two come out? Early 2023, according to the official Disney stuff. And it's... Um, I think already passed early 2023. So. I was going to say you get early, maybe the first three months. If it's not out by March, it's done. And secret invasion is out first, I believe. So, okay. Uh, back to Chris Farrell, Chris Farrell, you do a podcast called all things good and nerdy, which you do stream live on Thursdays. You can check that out on geeks live, but why don't you tease that? Where can people find that? Chris Farrell. Go to geek.com. Or all ATGNpodcast.com, either one. Either also. one. You should check that out because if you're looking for your weekly fix of nerdy, geeky happenings, Chris will hook you up. Yeah, our schedule is kind of in flux right now. So just stay tuned on social media. And we're trying to keep people apprised of when we're going live. We're still figuring things out. Well, you should check that out because it's a lot more regular than this show. <laughs> Well, well, we, eat, we eat our fiber there. <laughs> so for episode number 398 of the official Gonna Geek show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, hey, now you know it. Chris Farrell's regular. I'm Chris. Watch our show or be cursed. I'm SP. I got to go try on my wet dress now. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.